of all the tea. I guess that's what you guys call it. I spill the tea. I fucking guzzle the tea and I go and spit it all over the place because I'm telling the truth. And that's the tea. Tea is your truth. Tea is what is the tea? Like, what is your truth? What's going on with you? Here's the nice and confusing tea. Girl, what is the tea? What is it? What is up, everyone, and welcome to the first ever episode of Tea Time. I'm your host, Tia, and on this show, you might have guessed it, we're going to be spilling some tea. So I'm going to be opening up the show with a little bit of tea on my life, something that might have pertained to a future headline that we'll talk about on the show, because we'll be moving on to the celebrity tea if you will okay we'll be talking about all the trending topics in entertainment news and hopefully each episode i'm going to try to close it out with an interview of a guest from someone who i've either worked with in entertainment before either someone who's been on tv one way or another we're going to be giving you the tea on pop culture okay now i kind of want to just get right into this let's get right into story number one for tea time i'm going to spill the tea of what miley cyrus's sweet 16 looked like inside the party because believe it or not my little 14 year old self was actually there okay so let me take you back in time the time is 2008 so what does that look like to you to me it looks like a few things i think of myspace i'm thinking a little sean kingston maybe all right i'm thinking ipod nanos Okay, it was just a different time altogether, right? And I say MySpace is one of the first things that comes to mind because that's kind of where this whole story started. I'm sitting on MySpace one day, minding my own business, and I see a bulletin. And on this title of this bulletin, it says, do you want to go to Miley Cyrus's C16? And I'm thinking, hell yeah. So I click on said bulletin and I see the screen transforms to Miley Cyrus and Mickey Mouse and the Disneyland castle. And I'm thinking, oh my God, is this shit real? And so I read a little more and I see the first 5,000 crazy Miley Cyrus fans will be able to go to Miley Cyrus' Sweet 16. It's just $250 and you have your all access pass to the party of the century. So I'm thinking to myself, okay, I have to now beg and plead for my parents to let me go to this because it's only $250, right? Right, but wrong. Because one little problem, I live in New Jersey and this party is taking place at Disneyland in California. Miley, she basically is owning Disney at this point in her life and forevermore, but she had the whole park shut down for her party. And I've never flown to California. I'm just a little freshman in high school. I'm just trying to go to school Monday through Friday, but I'm thinking to myself, oh my God, I have to ask. Because the logic that my father always taught me was the answer is always no until you ask. So I took that little lesson that he taught me and I spun it right on him. And I said, Father, can I please, please go? Please do Miley Cyrus' Sweet 16. Look, I get good grades. I had never taken a shot of alcohol at this point in my life. I'm pretty sure I'd never even dropped an F-bomb at this point. That felt dirty to me. I was a good kid, okay? And in my head, I, I, I just deserved this. I deserved to go to Miley Cyrus' Sweet 16. I couldn't take no for an answer. This was like the most unreal opportunity I've ever seen in my entire life. And so I was lucky enough. I think my parents just kind of both thought, God damn it, this kid has to go to this. She's an insane Miley fan. She'll never forgive us. (laughs) Whatever the reasoning was, I was actually allowed to go. And so a friend and I, we get on a plane and we fly on over to California to Miley Cyrus' Sweet 16. Now, again, The time is 2008, so let me remind you, 
I don't really have much documentation of this event. Okay, I didn't have Instagram stories. I didn't have no Snapchat stories. It's just me, myself, and my little digital camera. And I truly have no idea where that shit is now. I think everyone kind of just collectively as a as a whole, we just all lost those things. No idea where that is. But the point is, I that's all I had to document this party. And I didn't, of course, naturally remember my charger. So the camera dies very quickly into the night, but we'll get there. Okay, so here we are. We're in the park. We've arrived. It is Miley Sweet 16. I have my little all access badge on. I'm feeling like I'm the shit. I don't even, I, I don't know how to act. Okay. But what I do know is I'm not going to miss Miley Cyrus's entrance to her own party. No, 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 no. I'm going to elbow my way through this crowd. I don't care how young these kids are. I'm young too. And so I turn into the linebacker that I was for that moment in time. And I, I don't know if that's the right position. I'm not good with football, but you get what I'm saying. I, I plowed through these kids. I went right to the front and I start seeing the stars. So there's a barricade here. Okay, of course, I'm not like just sprinting onto these people. But there's a there's an open path where the cars start rolling. And on each car is a new star rolling through. I see Tyra Banks. I see Demi Lovato. I see Steve Carell. I don't really know why he was there, but he definitely was. I do remember that. I see Billy Ray Cyrus. And then with her beautiful, perfectly placed 2008 long brown extensions, I see Miley Cyrus roll through with Mickey Mouse in the passenger seat. And I'm just thinking, I think I had like a little minor stroke to be honest with you. Okay. I had never laid eyes on her in my life. This person is like, at the time she was like my own Jesus Christ. I was obsessed with her. Hannah Montana It was legendary in 2008. And I, I was in awe and I see her. I think I started crying a little bit. The entrance is beautiful, but now it's time to go on to the rest of the night. Right? So Miley breaks out into this amazing performance breaks out. Wow. That was actually a great play on words because that was the name of her album at the time. She's busting out every song, doing a performance on this body of water. I really am not familiar with the geography of Disneyland, but some lake body of water area, she's on a floating stage and she's busting out GNO. There might've been a little seven things up in there. I can't really remember her set, but it was fire. And during this performance, I look over to my left Okay, my friend and I look over and we are like, oh my God, look at these cute boys. Because again, we're 14, we're weird. And with, I believe, her digital camera, because at this point, my, my camera dies the second they say, and here comes Miley Cyrus, naturally. So we look at her digital camera and we think to ourselves, let's snap a photo of these boys. I don't know why we're weird, we're 14, don't judge. But we wanted a picture of these cute boys. So we take a picture of them from a distance like the creeps that we were. And later in the night, we zoom in on said photo. Okay. In the background, I see something. I see two boys that are actually very familiar looking to me. And those boys go by the name of Dylan and Cole Sprouse. Now, Cole Sprouse at the time was, I mean, he was everything to me. He was my biggest crush. He's like the male version of my Miley at the time, my other obsession. And I just think to myself, God damn it. How did we not notice that they were there before? I don't know what I would have done. I'm not saying that I would have gone up to Cole Sprouse and said, hey, I'm in love with you. I'm not sure what I what I think would have happened if I noticed it sooner. But yeah, a little regret remains with me to this day that I didn't have the chance to approach him. But anyway, <laughs> moving on with our night. Everything's all good. We're on some rides now because we are in Disneyland after all, right? We have to ride some rides. So we go to the best ride of them all, which is what? Yes, Space Mountain, okay? And I look ahead a few rows ahead of me, but as we're about to board our little ship, and I see a familiar looking blonde. And I go, uh-uh-uh, is this for real? Oh, it was. It was Emily Osment. 
It was Lily. It was Miley's best friend. Now look, I'm thinking to myself at this point, uh, where's Ashton Kutcher? This is a little bit too unreal right now, okay? Is this rocket literally shooting me off into heaven right now? Because that's what it feels like. I don't even know. I I'm like blacking out. <laughs> but no, it was real. And it was Emily Osment there. And I, I just couldn't believe it. The night couldn't have been more perfect. After the rides, there was a beautiful fireworks show. And it literally, I remember, was like, exploding to the beat of best of both worlds just so sick such a cool party there was a goodie bag we brought home we had signed posters um there were these hannah montana gummies in there that still have them to this day they definitely never went bad because lord knows what the hell those are made from and there was a ticket in there too to be like in the crowd for a future hannah montana episode you know how they do those little scenes with like clips of hannah performing now i mean could it never be in the scene because Again, don't live in California. Can't make a quick cameo on a Tuesday for a quick filming, but appreciated the offer. So definitely just such an insane party. I kept that wristband on until it fell off like six months later. I never wanted to let go of it. I was literally like a slave in a school play with a glittery silver wristband on because I just couldn't part ways with it. Such an insane experience and I'll never ever forget it. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed that story. But there's plenty more tea that we need to spill. Okay, so to help me with the celebrity, celebrity, celebrity topic, is that too corny? I don't know, let me know. But in any case, <laughs> to help me divulge into these headlines is a great friend of mine, a former co-worker and fellow producer in the industry. Please welcome Tristan Trankel to the show. Tristan, no one can see you waving. <laughs> oh, okay. Hi! Oh, what's going on? Tristan and I met last year working on a show together. And I was just saying to him, one of the first moments when I was like, yeah, this this guy and I are going to be good friends, was um, this is peak COVID. This was not even peak. This was pre-lockdown. Yeah, this is like, this is like two days, like a week before it started, maybe. Yeah. There was one case in America. Yeah, there was literally like nothing. There was, we were still going to the office. And so we were getting the whole lowdown of like wash your hands for 20 seconds thing. And I just remember you coming out of the bathroom one day in front of everyone's cubicle. I was like, hey, if anyone needs a good like 20 second song to sing, the chorus of Oops, I Did It Again is exactly 20 seconds. I swear to God, I looked it up on my phone. And I'm like, it oh. really is. Oops, I did it again. <laughs> And then the, even the dance, like the play with your heart part, mm -hmm. kind of oh, is, yeah. is like a hand washing thing. Yeah, that's, I was just like, wow, love this person. And then, we and then I feel people. like shortly after you were like, if I did a podcast, would you be on it? <laughs> I was like, yes. <laughs> and even go. with the whole world shut down, it took me like another year to finally actually get it going. It's but it's fine. We're here now. So yeah, but that brings us into our first topic here, and it's Britney Spears. It's the Free Britney movement. So there's been some updates. So to give a brief cliff note version of her whole conservatorship battle, this is this is what I got. So Britney Spears, she's now 39, right? She's been under conservatorship in California since the end of 2008, following her mental health breakdown that we all saw. I don't do math, but that's young. Yeah, that was <laughs> that's, that's that's how I feel. Okay. <laughs> And so now, just to make it clear, when you're under someone's conservatorship, you really can't do anything without permission first. So she can't spend her own money. She can't even get a Starbucks drink as far as I'm concerned. She can't spend her own money. She can't drive a car. She can't get pregnant. 
She can't vote. She can't do anything without permission first. She can't vote. You know, she can't even vote. I know. Isn't that messed that's up? That's illegal. That's when I'm like, I don't know. I just don't think that that's necessary. But so it's been years that she's under this conservatorship from her father, right? Okay. So things start changing finally in 2019. So that was when she announced her new Vegas show domination was going to happen. But then she had canceled it because her father was having health issues. And that is where this person, Jody Montgomery, comes into play. And she stepped in as temporary conservator when he was sick. So in 2020, Britney Spears lawyers began attempting to get her father removed as conservator, saying that she was, quote, strongly opposed to him remaining in the role. And then this past November, her lawyer told the court she no longer wanted her father involved in her care, but she's afraid of him, quote, afraid of him, and would refuse to perform if he remained in charge. So we don't want that. Right. So, and I, I like follow Britney very closely. And like, if you remember, there was a point after the domination tour was canceled where she, like, we saw pictures of her coming out of a mental hospital with her boyfriend, Sam Sagari, Sam, whatever, her boyfriend, we'll go with that. And she looked super out of it. Her hair was disheveled. She had a very expensive purse and like a floral sundress on Mm -hmm. in fashion so basically the newest piece to come out of this is March 23rd this is what happens Brittany requests that her temporary care manager Jody Montgomery who stepped in when he was at the domination tour um Jody Montgomery to be made permanent in her position as her conservator now here's where it gets confusing because there's two different parts to a conservatorship there's conservator of a person and conservator of the estate so her father she's still doing that whole battle with him uh, controlling her finances. But this specifically, this request um, would be to make Jody her sole conservator of her person. So that's basically, she would have a say in who Brittany could see and can't see. And she'll be able to liaise with Brittany's medical team, things like that, while her dad would basically still be in control of money management. And that's it. So regards to her own person, that would just be up to this woman, Jody. And a hearing is scheduled for that on April 27th. Okay, so watching, we'll talk the Free Brittany doc, right? Hashtag Free Brittany. I have a lot of feelings about it. But it did remind me that there fully was a point where Britney Spears would have signed away any money she ever made, would have signed it away to some sleazeball dirtbag boyfriend or manager. Like there was a point where she was constantly surrounding herself with bad people as a way of rebelling, I think, you know. That guy's name escapes me. He wasn't the same. Sam Lufty. Sam yeah, Lufty. Yes. Yeah, it was, yeah. Yeah. So he was like a horribly bad guy. He messed with, you know, Courtney Love's career and personal choices and whatever. And I think that's where it really started going downhill. And that's where they like originally stepped in. So I do think if we go back that there was like a definite time where this conservatorship was needed, right? She was a little off the rails. But to keep her here for this many years is insane. Yeah, I think even just like look back at the years where she was judging what was it X Factor? She was on tour. She was doing tours. How is she on right. tours? Clearly, right. she's capable of. I mean, conservatorships are for people who have like dementia, like literally can't do anything on their own. She seems very capable. I mean, I'm not saying she's completely well in her mental state now, but I'm saying to have a conservatorship to begin with is like, from my understanding, very, very, very difficult. Like there has to be some extreme case. 
in Cal in California. Well, and then and then in that documentary, they're saying how like no one's ever been able to beat it on their own or like remove the conservatorship of, of from their person, mm -hmm. which is horrifying. Yeah. Um, but even the fact that her dad has conservatorship over her person, which means he's making medical decisions. So like once again to go back to that time in the mental hospital, like to think that anytime she's rebelling or might speak up too much this man can come in and be like nope take her away she's crazy take her to the mental hospital dope her up you know what I mean like you're chemically lobotomizing this woman I feel mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then she just came out too um on Instagram like finally really speaking out about the documentary she had said she didn't even watch the whole thing she couldn't but for the parts that she did I mean, it had her crying for two weeks straight afterwards. And yeah, I saw this too. So after the documentary, mm -hmm. I unfollowed Britney Spears on Instagram because there's been so much speculation about like, is she really running this account? Britney always uses these emojis. If there's ever a post where there's like not, you know, the bow, the pink bow or flowers, yeah, people are like, Britney didn't post that. Yeah, um, yeah. But I feel like after watching that, it's just she's such a moneymaker that it's like you have to tank the corporation. You have to boycott the brand mm -hmm. of Britney Spears. And as much as I love Britney Spears, I had to unplug and be like, listen, if nobody's watching, maybe yeah. they'll give this woman a life again. I know. I know. I really hope so, too, because she's Britney Spears. <laughs> like, I think we all... Obviously, want to see her perform again, but I want to see her just okay and like be Britney again. Yeah, dude, like I'm good. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I think she's given me the performances and the albums that like I need. I know, I know. she's so like, secondary, and everyone's like, "Oh, well, she won't perform again if her dad is still in control." And it's like that just can't be the first concern here. The main concern is we need Britney to just have control of her life again. Exactly. Like she's a mother and yeah. a person. Mm -hmm. let her go hashtag free britney free britney god damn it well i i definitely want to see what happens with that hearing and see hopefully i think the least the judge can do is have this woman jody montgomery who's yeah, let's get a new conservator in there let's see what happens let's shake things up a little bit yeah she's obviously not happy or well the way things are going right exactly free britney all right, moving on to our next topic, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. Final season is airing. And what have we seen so far? So we saw Scott basically completely exploit the shit out of him and Sophia's relationship. Um, he said how Sophia uh, basically gave him an ultimatum, choose between her or Courtney. We've seen a little bit of Kim and Kanye's problems. This is like the moment back last summer when Kanye went on that major Twitter rampage. He started tweeting shit like, Chris Jong-un, like- Oh my God, <laughs> what a thrilling moment that was in my life. I just I, have to say. Especially because that was peak pandemic when we were just bored and I it really needed- pandemic and it just came, the hits kept coming. <laughs> You know, he's calling Corey Gamble Kamye. We didn't, we thought like Kamye was, I thought it was like, oh, that's like what? You just want him to be calm? No, it's like his whole name for Chris's boyfriend. Like, oh my God. Oh, Sorry. Just so, oh my God, so crazy. But then you feel bad because then you see this like kind of unfold on the show and just like, obviously that's got to screw up Kim. You know, how embarrassing is that to just be like, okay, he started saying how like, oh, they wanted to abort North. Like keep that to yourself. That's like, 
have messed up. So yeah. now we're going to see yeah. Kim going through that on the show. And that we're seeing Tristan and Chloe too. And I want your thoughts on basically like them rekindling their relationship. Do we hope to see more of that this season? Do you want to see her put him in his place? What do you want to see with that? What are your thoughts on the um, Chloe relationship? Listen, so I haven't seen this season. I'll be fully honest, but I do keep up with the Kardashians on all social media networks. So <laughs> I'm kind of there. I'm in the light. Don't we all. <laughs> um, and from what I've seen uh, through clips and what I, whatever, and, you know, Chloe posting him more, it seems like... Uh, they're a good fit for each other and I hope they work it out that is her baby daddy you know what I mean they already have one child I am uh, so glad you said this because I feel the same and you know I, I am rooting for them and I get so bothered when like literally the whole internet is attacking Chloe it's none of our business number one but number two this is what where I get confused genuinely the whole internet is like Oh my God, like roasting Chloe. What about Jordan? Why blah, blah, blah. Like, so we're going to roast Chloe, who, by the way, she's putting up like a, a fight for him. Like he has, he has had to work to stay in her life. You could tell she wasn't just like taking him back. But here's the thing. Didn't Scott and Courtney break up for the same reason? He was pulling some, you know, infidelity shit. And yet everyone wants to see them back together. So how frustrating must that be for Chloe to be like, why is the internet attacking me for wanting to get back with Tristan? Maybe when the whole internet is rooting for Scott and Courtney. When he actually, I would say, arguably did even worse because it was years of shit. Way worse. And like, yeah. I don't know, Scott's had like so many struggles and just embarrassed the shit out of Courtney over the years. I yeah. don't see Tristan doing that. There was the Jordan Woods thing. Who knows what happened there? Yeah. It's, it's like never been fully confirmed that there was infidelity that even happened. You know what I mean? I know there's this I mean, other there was a kid. coming out. Whatever. I mean, he's what? He's a sports star. You know what I mean? Like, athletes kind of have their own reputation, and you get what you sign up for. Um, but no, I hope they work it out. <laughs> I love Chloe. I think that me too. She's my favorite. If I had to pick one, I think I'd be best friends with Chloe. I feel like we get along. Um, but yeah, I'm glad you said that because I feel the same way. So let's talk about our favorite moments in the show's history what would you say is like a standout moment in the show i mean kim people are dying is such are dying. but there were seventy five thousand dollars diamond earrings here's the thing i feel both sides of this argument right like girl oh. get over yourself but at the same time it's like oh god that's a really expensive pretty painful i think for me i would have to go with the most recent argument with courtney and kim with the uh, over the whole christmas card thing with Maybe if you had a business that you were passionate about, then you would know what it takes to run a business, but you don't. That was literally up there with like Tyra Banks. We were all rooting for you moments yes. in reality no. history. Yeah, what great moments. What great, and even the Chris Humphreys divorce and the Kim crying meme <laughs> and the Kimoji. Yeah. First yeah. of all, he's a big fan of Kimojis. I think they're gone now. I don't know, but oh, I have them forever. Oh my God, that had its moment, Kimojis. I forgot about them. Good for her. Look at that businesswoman. I mean, maybe that died out, but she has 17,000 other businesses. She's fine. She's, I think, still in the billionaire club. So she has nothing to worry about. I'm really obsessed with KKW fragrance right now. And I'm really trying not to buy the Kendall collaboration, but I want all of them. Also, they're very like, they're like $40. They're very affordable. Wow. Especially for fragrance. That's like bath and body price. Exactly. Right? <laughs> Wait, but I have to just say, because I saw these photos of the campaign 
And while they're very beautiful, very beautiful, I know Kendall loves horses. I'm sorry. I don't want to think about the stench of horses and horse manure when I'm thinking of like a scent. Like See, a and that's the thing. They're all like described that way as like blue roan <laughs> brings back the memory of riding through a spring field <laughs> on your black stallion or whatever. I can't trust that scent. I'm not ordering that online. I need to smell that in person. Yeah, it's like leather and I feel like there's a horse, some type of stable. A little manure. A little, just a little, just, just one. the time. <laughs> real. Maybe not. Just to bring us back to the old horse riding days. <laughs> okay, so what do we think is next for the Kardashian Jenner clan? So there has been an announcement at the end of the year. I think it was in December. They announced that um, they signed a multi year deal with Disney and Hulu to produce, quote, new global content, which will stream exclusively, like I said, on Hulu in the US and on Disney's star platform worldwide. It's expected to debut late 2021. All of them are expected to be there. Chris, Kim, Chloe, Kendall, Kylie, Courtney, but no Rob. I hope Rob. But on what- one show? Do you think they'll do one show again? Like as a family or is it what? little takeover? New global content. Like what, what are we going to see? Do you think it'll be similar to Keeping Up or something completely different? I would like to see them do different things. But at this point, like, I do wonder that, like, how do you live without the cameras at this point? Mm-hmm. Like, can they just fade into obscurity? Can they, like, Kylie's been really good about this, I think. Like, she appears on the show. Mm-hmm. It's never focused around her, really. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. she comes and goes. She's a recurring character. But she's never based her whole life around that show. She was able to make, like, a huge business. And she gives you, like, you don't even see paparazzi pictures of her, really. I mean, everything's closed right now, but you know what I mean? She gives you a good photo shoot in her home and keeps it moving. Yeah, no, she's figured it out. And I mean, she was nine, I think, season one, episode one. She was a baby. And now, like what is she 22 23 something like that and yeah how do you how do you go literally your whole life doing something and then it just stops no the cameras are going to keep rolling something's going to keep happening I don't know how much we're going to see or if it's going to be maybe less personal because I think that was where it got messy Courtney didn't want to show her life as much anymore well and here's the other part of that is like they've built the machine of you know something happens in real life right like it's the Kanye tweeting thing And then you start to see it on the, you know, previews for this upcoming season of what really happened. And then there's a product launch right behind it. So it's like they've engineered their reality, so to speak. So I'm interested to see maybe if their lives get cleaned up, maybe their lives aren't as dramatic and messy without a reality show following them around. Maybe. The devil works hard, but Chris Jenner works harder. She really always figured out how to, <laughs> how to film. I mean, literally, I remember the new season dropped right when the pandemic started. Like, oh, we're just going to go on a worldwide shutdown just in time for the new season. So I can't miss an episode. <laughs> wild. Yeah, no, it is pretty wild. But I'm definitely interested to see what's going to be next for them, because how can you not be invested in it? And anyone who says, oh, who cares? Who cares? No, people care. It's been on for 20 seasons. We care and you care and you all know. So that's my little piece on that. So our last thing here, this is kind of going back to um, how I opened the show. Uh, 15 years of Hannah Montana. We are celebrating 15 years since the first episode the anniversary if you will so she had a huge bash Miley had at um Rainbow Bar and Grill in LA uh she wore a cropped Hannah Montana merch shirt she looks unreal she sent flower arrangements to basically anyone who's ever been a part of the show 
our good old Jake Ryan, Cody Lindley, uh, Corbin Blue. I think he, Corbin Blue was on the first episode mm-hmm. even, really little. And so now we're celebrating 15 years of it. What do you think makes the show so iconic? Why are we still talking about it 15 years later? I mean, because Miley Cyrus is still around, right? And she gave, she like blurred the line of, you know, she kind of was Hannah Montana. Like come to find out she was this like, picture perfect Disney kid and then she's like smoking weed behind the scenes and then she comes out like on all your favorite rap anthems like it became like this weird real life thing yeah she she wrote in this letter that she put on Instagram too she like penned a letter to Hannah 15 years later and was like you know this was the greatest gift was you but I do think that it kind of confused her. How could that not confuse a kid when you're like 12 years old and you're like being this one person that's literally not your name and you're putting out albums that are under this one name. And then I remember, I think it was her second hand Montana album was the other half was Meet Miley Cyrus. She's like, hey, this is me. And so like, this is the difference between Hannah music and my music. Um, So it's just kind of crazy because I think playing that role, like you said, she kind of was living two lives. Like she had to be this perfect, I think any Disney. Yeah, it like carried on much later. Mm-hmm. Plus Hannah Montana merch was everywhere. Everywhere. Every- yes. Oh my God. Hannah Montana period was just everywhere. I think that the show in general, like when I think back to that era, I think of the prime of Disney Channel. I'm thinking back to like High School Musical came out the same time Hannah Montana came out, right? And let me tell you, I can remember the holy down, throw down the same way. I remember the we're all in this together dance that can come back like yesterday. I remember it so vividly. It's like, why did it have such an impact? Why do I remember that dance along? I haven't watched in however many years. I mean, there was Wizards of Waverly Place with Selena Gomez. There is. It was the golden age of Disney. You got Demi Lovato, you got the Jonas Brothers, you know, like there were so many acts that came out of that time that are still around and had like real cultural impact I feel like I, Demi, people are on their sixth album whose sixth album I mean like all of them have like oh, all of them. yeah I mean look at Jonas Brothers aren't going anywhere Demi Lovato she's like absolutely she just did the Super Bowl she's I mean oh my god yeah there's the whole Demi Lovato um her yeah I actually haven't watched that yet her dancing Demi. with the devil thing it's very heavy yeah yeah, I know. And that's the thing. It's like Disney. I feel like people come out of Disney or just childhood stars in general. If you come out on the other side, bravo. But I think everyone has evolved in their own way. Yes. And I feel like Miley is no exception. Miley has been killing it. No, yeah. Miley's talent is is so uh, vast. And, you know, she showed that from the beginning. And I don't think she ever let up. I think she's just elevating year after year. I actually met Miley Cyrus on Dancing with the Stars. And Wait, she was what? on Hannah Montana. No, Billy Ray was on. And she came to visit him. Okay, first of all, she came to visit him and ran like out of the car and was like, daddy, and jumped up on him and like wrapped her whole body around him. And then (laughs) they kissed on the mouth. And I remember everyone being like, oh. I mean, some families do that, not mine. Oh my God, I'm gonna cry. You know what? She just... (laughs) daddy and then they kissed on the mouth it was so weird and then I remember we were getting ready I had to go seat like his guests and she was of course one of the guests and she was like I want to sit in the front row and I was like she was like all up in my face like very much making sure I knew that damn Cyrus she better get front row yes yeah, yeah. but she was very polite and pleasant. Yeah, I love that. I love to hear that because I was an obsessed Miley fan as a child. I was saying in the beginning of this, but um, 
Hannah Montana was literally like my religion, if it could be. <laughs> like I didn't miss an episode. I loved that shit so much. I feel like she just was like so, I don't know. She just had such an impact. And it was just- Yeah, even to Migos. Migos in the Hannah Montana song. Yeah. Hannah Montana. Hannah yeah. Montana. Like, look, when Migos is making a song about your Disney Channel character, you did something. <laughs> you really did something so i'm in awe that it's been 15 years i literally remember the premiere of that show Not Whoa, like just- ooh, yeah, yeah. oh god wait will we transition to the next part of the show like now can you do <laughs> yeah 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 oh wait the sad ones she'd be like oh 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 yeah (laughs) i can see the malibu ocean wave crashing to the music now oh god i love it 15 years hannah montana we love to see it i might have to be hannah for halloween that would be fun oh my god Um, yeah right So now we're going to move on to the next portion of the show. This I'm very excited to do with you. We're going to dive a little bit deeper into Tristan's experience working in TV production. Okay. Oh, me. I said, oh, me. Oh, you. Oh, you. (laughs) Yes. So we're going to get into it. Okay. Because I know there's some tea you got to spill. So we're going to just kick it right off the bat. What piqued your interest to work in the entertainment industry? So I wish I had a better story about how I found my love for the entertainment industry, but it's really just nepotism. My mom (laughs) worked in the industry and I, uh, in high school, did not have lofty goals. I did not take an SAT. I didn't apply to any colleges. I was like, I'm just going to go to community college. I did that. I studied a little bit of communications in community college and then just started working straight out of high school as a PA, um, a talent PA mostly. I found my niche there, niche, I guess, um, in talent. (laughs) And that was fun. You got to be around a lot of celebrities and it's a lighter version of a PA, I think. Mm-hmm. I wasn't like, like people would be like, hey, can you move these 15 cases of water? And I'd be like, no. I'm sorry, wrong PA, sir. No, 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 that's, that's not me. Sorry. That's not, no. Uh-huh. PA is production assistant, by the way, if anyone does not know what that stands for. Production assistant. Yeah. Production assistant. The very lowly, lowest low. Yes. So I started at ground floor. Mm-hmm. And I came in and um, kind of learned. I mean, I will say I did have like an advantage going in because my mom um, was like, you know, an executive producer showrunner my whole life. So I was doing like edit notes and interview questions for like interviews when I was like 12. Oh my God. Yeah. So you had that real hands-on experience. That was, that's pretty sick. Um, yes. One of the things you got to do, you worked on a project uh with the bachelor you were bachelor handler for the bachelor franchise i was a bachelor handler yeah so what what does that mean who were you a handler for just break this down to me because i'm very so i don't even know what season it was one of the bachelor's names i did i did for two seasons i did matt who um was like this texas guy and like owned all these bars Mm -hmm. super cute um and then was his name Matt or was that Brad? And then I did the British Bachelor, whatever. Um, but the role was Bachelor Handler. It was 
one of the cushiest jobs ever. So I got to drive around like a company Escalade in Malibu and I would just shop and make sure he had fresh veggies and stuff in his fridge. I would let the housekeeper in. We were in this like beautiful house in Malibu. Um, I would get to sleep there some nights. Some nights I would drive him to the dates, him and the producer who was rumored to be sleeping with him. I don't know anything about that. Okay, so wait, because I just started getting into the franchise last year. I started watching The Bachelor uh, with the yeah. season. And I remember reading that, like, there was a rumor that he was sleeping with a producer too. So do you think this is something that's like low-key kind of common? Um, <laughs> so like, I will say like, it was never confirmed. Like, I didn't personally see... Did I? I don't think I did. And it would be a different producer by this point. But is it uh, common? They spend a lot of time together. I do know that. You know, they're always together after the dates. They're talking, you know, about falling in love and which girl do you like? And then there's, you know, the whole producer aspect of it. So sometimes, you know, they do want certain girls to go further so you know they would talk about that behind the scenes like well don't you really like so and so or like don't you think da 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 so yeah the producer definitely has a certain amount of sway Mm -hmm. and influence I guess when it comes to how the show is shaping but their own love story (laughs) (laughs) I don't know I mean you know I I I don't know. It's not, they're usually uh, very pretty producers, you know, and um, if yeah. they're single, I think things can happen. Okay. Is it common? Does it happen every season? I don't know. Could it? Okay. Yes. Okay. Could it easily happen? Yes. Uh-huh. They spend, they definitely spend enough time together. Interesting. Interesting. Wait, so did you live in the same house as him or same place as him? So not really, no. I lived at home, but I would go up there in the morning. I remember the most embarrassing thing happened because they called me to pick him up from the airport. And I was like, I don't have like the car. I didn't have like the Escalade. And they were like, that's fine. Can you just pick him up in your car? And I was like, my like air conditioning doesn't work. Like I'm at this point, like a 21 year old PA driving like an old Ford Explorer. Like it was a mess. I had gotten T-boned. So my passenger side door didn't even open so like you had to like wrench it open and I remember like picking him up and he was like such a good sport about it sweating profusely in the valley in LA driving him to Calabasas to the house Uh, such a nightmare but I survived you're just like taking them around where they need to go yeah so it's like totally like running errands for him doing dry cleaning taking him around where he needs to go but the fun part of being the bachelor handler is that you get all the like inside tea and so I don't know if they do this with everyone but I'm pretty talkative and I was good at talking to um the bachelor and whatnot so the producers would like put bugs in my ear and be like find out out of these three girls like who he's really feeling and then we're gonna eliminate them now next week (laughs) yeah well they would produce like some kind of content around you know, my little tidbits of information that I could bring out. Oh my God, very interesting. Very fun, scandalous job. Super fun, super cool. A couple weird like harrowing experience. I remember like I was driving them to a date and it was the producer, the bachelor, 
and then the executive producer was in the passenger seat Mm-hmm. and he kept like telling me like go faster man what are you doing then he took out like a giant blunt and lit it in the car hold on hold on the bachelor like, or the exec the exec uh, so and then he's like just next to me and he's like diamond lane bro get over get over get in the diamond lane to get in like you know the carpool lane and he's like speed it up speed it up we gotta get there so i'm like pushing you know, almost a hundred miles an hour on PCA. furious this becomes. Fast and furious. This man is passing me like a blunt of California medical grade marijuana. And oh. I'm like, I don't want to like not take it because that he's like kind of like, oh, you can't you can't smoke weed and drive, but like giving me shit. Yet. <laughs> Good God, I'm having anxiety thinking about it. But oh. yeah, so that was that's a fun part of my life. But you, yeah, that's fun. I mean, that's a nice way to like dive into the industry. It is. I'm so glad I didn't kill The Bachelor in a fiery (laughs) wreck. Oh my God. Yeah, too much. No, no, no. Not me. I could never do anything that like required driving. It's just too much anxiety for me. I'm going to kill somebody. I just ran over a cone yesterday, but that wasn't my fault. It flew off the back of a truck and like, we're not going to get into that. Everything's fine. The car isn't hurt. I'm not hurt. Anyway, moving on. Um, You also worked on Dancing with the Stars, like you had mentioned earlier with (laughs) Daddy. Um, So what you were Kim Kardashian's talent assistant. Yeah. So I was a talent assistant on Dancing with the Stars and... I'm sorry. I can knock it over Daddy. Go ahead. Right. Daddy! Um... (laughs) I was a talent assistant on Dancing with the Stars. So each season, the talent producer, Valerie Papsidera, her husband is a, a John Papsidera, very big casting director, very lovely people. And she would call and she would be like, Tristan, you know, here's like the cast. Do you have any preferences about who you would want to work with? Blah, blah, blah. And the season that Kim was on, Kim Kardashian like wasn't what she is now. Yeah, what was this, 2008, 2007, something like that? Yeah, it was like around, yeah, like 2007, 2008. So she was big. Keeping Up with the Kardashians was on. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the biggest thing in the world yet. It was starting to get there. But she said, who do you want? We have Kim Kardashian. And I was like, Kim Kardashian. I definitely want to be with Kim Kardashian. Yeah. And she was like, are you sure? And I was like, what do you mean by that? Like, is she hard to work with or what? And they're like, no, no, just, you know, whatever. So I didn't really know what that was about. And then I remember going to the first rehearsal and meeting her and then seeing her dance and being like, oh, shit. (laughs) That's why she asked him. She's going to get cut. Because the way it works with uh, the talent PAs and even the producers on that show is you're assigned to cast members. If your cast member gets cut, your job gets cut. So, (laughs) like... They don't keep the like, you know, six or seven producers they have all season. It gets whittled down and it goes by like seniority a lot of times. And um, oh my God, it's like Kim figured out one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Let's go. Let's go. Right. So she did end up getting cut. So yes, working with Kim Kardashian, she was so gracious. (laughs) What did you call her? Kim Kim Kardashian. I don't know. Sorry. I slowed my mind. You're fine. Okay. So she joked on 
keeping up with the Kardashians later on, like years later. She just joked about how absolutely awful she was on the show. So she acknowledges it. But do you think she really knew how rough her performance was? She absolutely knew she couldn't dance, right? Like that was very well known. And she would say that. She really was so nice. She she would say like weird shit all the time, I remember. Like, what? like even to tie it back in with Disney. I was sitting with her outside, like every celebrity has their little trailer. Mm-hmm. And we were outside her trailer. And she looked at me and was like, Nick Jonas told me he wanted to marry me. Okay, Kim. But that was it. And I was like, oh, cool. Just came up and, to you as that walks away. Yeah, it was just like a thought. And then she was like back to staring off into the sunset. So she would do like odd things like that where I was like, what is the deal with this person? And like, do you think I'm going to relate to that? Like, what am I supposed to say to that? Yeah, what's, also, what's, Nick Jonas was cute at the time, but he wasn't Nick Jonas, daddy Nick Jonas. You know what I mean? I'm going to have to disagree with that. I'm pretty sure around that era, his poster was on my ceiling actually. So that he was the first thing I saw when I woke up. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I mean, he was adorable, but he wasn't like, he wasn't like Nick yeah. Jonas. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally understandable. Um, but that sounds like a ton of fun. So you've also earned a number of credits in Conflict TV as well. What would you say was the most challenging part of producing that type of content, particularly during the pandemic? Conflict TV is not my favorite to produce. Let's just say that. It's super challenging. There's people who can really do it and get it and it doesn't phase them. I think that's the biggest thing is like, you're relying on real people at all times. So like these people have no reason to go on TV and tell their entire bad business for $500 or whatever you're offering, right? So that inherently is challenging. I can do it, but it is manipulation. You are manipulating someone You are trying to get into their head. Sometimes you figure out like, oh, this nice tactic isn't working. I have to threaten them a little bit. You know what I mean? And I just don't like doing that. I don't like manipulating people because at the end of the day, like they walk away with their $500 and then they're like, oh my God, everyone in my town's going to hate me. Or, Um, but there are the few people who are like living for those that- that There are people, and I think, I think, yeah, since the rise of reality TV, we're here on like the post side of all that stuff, internet drama, you know, there are people out there that really kind of like, oh, I can't wait for people to see this. And yeah, let me know when the air date is, I can't wait. But also particularly for the court show we worked on, we did it, I mean, we literally were producing shows during 2020 like pandemic and full yeah. so courthouses I mean, were not open for people to even be filing cases right so that was a benefit I guess I, for, found, I found that to be for booking I thought that made things a million times harder did you I don't know I well, was going here, no, no, no 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 I guess you know what here's what I thought about that I think that I finally tapped into my creative senses once that happened because I had to not take the easy way out I mean it was also the one and only time I ever produced conflict tv you did you did other shows before that too so you had like a taste of bookings but this was like oh my god I was told to like take these claims from a courthouse and book call people and book them so what do I do when no one's going to a courthouse to file I don't know but then the producer cap went on and social media I mean I would literally DM people on Instagram in the yeah. areas of where we were going to be filming to see if they had a suit Same. Like, and you yeah. look you feel like a crazy person 
Mm-hmm. And so actually I was talking about this with friends the other day, how like, oh, I got a message online from someone. I think it's fake. It's for a reality show. And I was like, well, no, keep going because like yeah. what they said, because this could be very valid. Like I've DM'd people before to be on a show and it's very legit. So I think that a lot of people, not a lot, but I mean, uh, these were two friends that I was with in a room of like four people. Two of them had gotten the message from, I'm like, this might be an actual show, guys. You might want to answer that person because especially right now, that's kind of how a lot of people are booking, like reaching out on social media. Yeah, definitely. And like working in, I'd like casted other shows before. And when you're casting reality, social is such a uh, resource. So I would say, yeah, chuck those DMs you don't see. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In the requests section, check them because that might be a little TV opportunity for you. Okay. So I also wanted to ask you because you've worked like everywhere. You've worked in LA, Atlanta, beautiful city of Stanford, Connecticut. So mm-hmm. how would you compare working in all these different environments because they're all very different you have east coast you have west coast you have atlanta so is the energy different different opportunities available the pace of work like is there one area you preferred more than others so i mean i grew up in la so that's like home Mm -hmm. and it's kind of what i just the only thing i knew you know so that environment of you're working on a show and then you want to go out afterwards and like you know, you're, you're with famous people and you get in better clubs and you're partying with Paris Hilton and you're like, what, what is my world? Wow. Oh my God. Was she like DJing or you partied with Paris Hilton? No, I partied with Paris Hilton at Hyde nightclub. I don't think it's there anymore. I was fully like drunk. Her album had just came out not that long before and I grabbed her arm like hard. Like she was walking by me and I was like, Paris. (gasps) And she totally just turned and was like, yeah. And I was like, oh my God, I'm living. I love your music so much. And she was like- Stars are blind era, are we talking here? Yeah, stars are blind. She had a blunt cut. Wow. Yes. So like, there's that atmosphere of that, but it also, that's like way easy to get caught up in and like lost. I'm glad I had it in my early twenties and then moved to Atlanta where it's like, you know, you can still get lost in the night here, but Mm -hmm. it's a (laughs) it's a little easier a little more tame a little more tame I do feel there's so much of the business part of LA is like the look of everything so like are you driving the right car what are you wearing are those designer shoes you know what I mean it's almost like a a paywall you have to break before people are really going to take you seriously anyways yeah Uh, Atlanta not so much but then because there's not that paywall, I feel like I've run into more, not necessarily like scammer people, but people who like definitely talk more than they know. Mm-hmm. And for Connecticut, I could leave it. Yeah. What about like New York? Have you ever done a thing, any shows in New York? Um, Have I? I don't think so. I haven't really worked in New York. My mom worked in New York when I was a kid and I would fly out there every mm-hmm. other weekend, but... Yeah, no, it's definitely. I'm not a New Yorker. Oh, I'm not either, but I am. I have the most love hate relationship with New York because every show I've ever done was New York, except for last year in Connecticut. Um, and then this year now just working remotely. But I hate it, but I love it. I don't know how to describe it. I love not going there every day, but I miss it enough to like go in there unnecessarily now, just like every now and again to see it. So I'm such a fast person though. Like I will be the person who like power walks their ass off down the sidewalk and right. like, 
I'm and there's definitely that mentality of like, like I do have a very LA of like, it'll work out, whatever, it's coming. You know what I mean? Oh, they dropped out, we'll find someone else. Like I'm yeah. very like easygoing, whereas like New Yorkers and East Coast people generally are like. Yeah, nope, nope. Like, I'm training myself <laughs> to have that LA, like it's all gonna work out. But naturally I am like a, oh my God, what is my next move? Uh, I'm a very yeah, yeah, yeah. trust the process. Yeah, I got to do, you know, meditation and all that LA stuff. Okay, so now you're working as a senior producer and writer for Social Society on AMC's All Black Streaming Network. First of all, congrats. Like that's- Thank fine. you. Yeah, no, that's insane. What are some of the key things that you think you did in order to earn a senior position now? So what did I do? <laughs> networking, networking. A hundred percent. This is the creator and executive producer of this show is a friend that I made when I first moved to Atlanta. We worked together and she wasn't in a producer position, right? So we were both, she worked in like the audience department and mm. I was an AP and she credits, she's always like, you know, when I sold the show, you were the first person I thought of because I remember I would be able to pitch some of my ideas way back when, when I was just an audience and you would always listen to them. You always applauded me. You know what I mean? You always tried to work in my ideas into the show. So I think that's important is just realizing that good ideas come from everywhere. It's not a title that yes. makes ideas. That's so true. And I always try to tell people this. So someone who I stay in touch with all the time, I mean, from one show that I worked on, the only person who I really stay in touch with is one of my former interns, not my executive producer, yeah. not the pro no, my intern who like, yeah. you have to find the value, I feel like, in everyone, because everyone has value. Everyone has something to teach you. And I think a lot of people have the mindset that like, oh, someone with like a, a lower title maybe isn't worth staying in touch with. Right, like um, what are they doing yeah. And I think that's just so stupid to think because you never know where people are going to go, who can like help you out and maybe in the future. Right. I feel like, and I really have to say, and just to revisit that uh, conflict TV job we did, they yeah. called me back to update me on coming back or whatever I'm working. So I wouldn't be able to take it. But that was the executive that called me and I didn't return the call. And I know, I feel like that's such like kind of a faux pas. Like, oh, you didn't. First of all, here's the thing. I don't want to do conflict TV. Um, and I know that that person ain't going nowhere here's where I'm going to want to be. You know what I mean? Like yeah. networks are not looking at this person to run their comedy extravaganza show right so like here's the thing if it's not like the right fit for you maybe you should try to stay in touch with people who like do have your same interests like we are peers we have the same title well now you're senior so whatever maybe i'm i'm your less than now <laughs> shit but you know what i mean i guess what i'm saying is like you said networking is so important but it doesn't always need to be with the top dog period yes. and also take jobs i was you know like i've served as producer on a bunch of other shows and then i took an ap position at a conflict court show <laughs> you know what i mean and so like from the outside people I worked with, like I'm sure the producer that was over me is like, he's a what? How does that happen? That's yeah. not real. Yeah. Um, but also it's just knowing that you never know where people's real strengths are and it's good to explore a little and see what benefits you, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And I think with just bouncing off the whole conflict TV thing, I know that we like producing the same type of content. 
And for me, conflict TV wasn't on my list, but I took it. I mean, I actually remember one of our co-APs was like, wait, why are you here? Because I was saying, I want to do e-news or I want to do access, I want to do entertainment. And they're like, so wait, why are you here? And I was like, well, it's an experience to learn something new. Like I've never done conflict TV. I'm never really focused on booking being my sole responsibilities, blah, blah, blah. It's a major network, all these things. So we did it. I learned. It was a major network. <laughs> that helped too. It was, well, I was a major network. Yeah. I mean, that was, that was maybe the biggest, right. that, was, that was the biggest thing, but I just thought, you know, this is a foot in the door. It's an opportunity and I did it. I don't need to do it again. I know what I want to do. Let's move forward. But also I think you learn things that you can use in other places, right? Exactly. Like you went on to the doctors, you're in turn having to book real people again, but yeah. now you have a better idea of what that entails. And, and my producer had told me too, one day she goes, you know, one of the things that stood out when I was talking to you about possibly coming onto the show was you booked people for a court TV show when courts were closed. So I knew you could just make anything happen. And like I said, before so we get creative, we had to be like, think how yeah. insane that is. We yeah. figured it out though and, and, and produced an entire season during a pandemic when no one wants yeah. to. So happen. that is something I'll also say about conflict TV is when you have it on your resume, people wherever you go are like oh you're a hard worker you could do anything that's what I keep getting yeah you could do it all I'm like well I didn't want to say it but yeah Yeah. (laughs) right and just another thing too I'm thinking networking is just I it's to the point where like I think back to every job I've had since college even like my first big internship at iHeart like everything I've ever had wasn't because I didn't work for it but I'm just saying like there was some tie-in I had networked and met someone who helped me get it I never got a job basically by applying except for that conflict tv show I think um is the only one and so I think that's just insane and it's not that I knew these people from the start some people are like oh but I don't have any friends or family that works in entertainment so I just don't have those connections neither did I and you just kind of have to you have to make them you have to just put in the work I would literally watch tv pause the credits on a show I want to work on find the executive on LinkedIn cold message you got to just get creative you got to figure it out don't complain that you don't have (laughs) you're an insane person yeah I'm also an I'm an east coast let's figure this out no (laughs) but yeah so I want to move on to this is probably one of my favorite things that you've ever done you and your boyfriend were contestants on hot ones the game show. Losing contestants on Hot Ones the Game Show. <laughs> Losing, but the most entertaining. So that, for anyone that doesn't know, I mean, Hot Ones, we all know. It's the Hot Wing Hot Sauce Challenge. And this is a, like a trivia game show you went on. The Diana Ross question had me dead. I couldn't deal. Um, did you actually see it? I watched it. Yeah, of course oh. I did. Of course I did. Right <laughs> yeah. oh so for people who want to be on TV, let's say it's a game show. Let's say it's reality TV. What tips do you think would help their chances of being chosen? So, and I'll say this also, if there's people that work in TV and listen to this, don't say you work in TV. It's so weird too, because at that time I had stepped away from TV. I was working at a Halloween store seasonally and doing my Instagram videos and YouTube. And like, I was really dedicated to that. And I was like, you know what? I just want to do like in front of camera things. And I got booked for these IGTV videos called Trissy with the T. And I would just talk about gossip and I got booked on like some local shows to be like their little gossip expert and stuff. So I thought it was interesting that I was able to parlay that all the way onto Hot Ones the Game Show somehow. But that being said, I know other people who tried out that work in TV and said they worked in TV and got disqualified. 
So fully lie. Nobody's going to dig that much. Like, say you work at a sandwich shop. No, but um, actually, because look how many things get, like, exposed once people are on the show. People aren't really doing the background check. So just fully lie. People aren't. And the craziest thing is when, <laughs> when I got on the show, because even, like, we were selected, we went through a virtual interview. We went in for a hot sauce taste test. We went to another interview after that. And we finally got it. And then they brought everyone in. But you're still not guaranteed to make it on the show, right? There were like 12 groups. And I think only six of them shot that day. But when we got selected, the person came to get me. And I had worked with her in TV. Stop. And I was like, oh, do not say you know me. Do not do it. And she was just like, right this way. What's your name? Um, so she played it really cool and we were able to. Oh, we it. love her for that. Oh my God. Did you get anything? So you lost, but did you get to bring home like any hot sauce or anything? I think we got like a hundred dollars and a milkshake. Oh, that the hot sauce is so hot that the milk curdled in my stomach. <laughs> and I got so sick all night long. I'm so sorry. That must have been that must have been a really rough experience. I want to do more game shows. That was the best. Uh, my dream is to go on the prices, right? I would absolutely murder it. I'm just <laughs> just saying. Or Wheel of Fortune. I'm very good at that. I need oh my god, I'm awful at Wheel of Fortune. I get so pissed watching I'm that. I'm not so bad at Jeopardy though. But I'm I feel like I'm not smart enough to qualify for it. But I feel like on the show I would do decent. I'm pretty sure if you get like more than five questions right on one episode of Jeopardy, then you're a certified genius. So if you're like at that level, I'm looking at you in a completely different light. No, I think like if I play along at home, here's the thing though, like as a kid, I used to have like this little Jeopardy like VHS like game, like as a child child that I would play. So maybe that's part of it. Yeah, I had look, I had a game show birthday party for like what's third grade? I don't know. Let's say it was a ninth what birthday. A game show birthday party. My mom is very creative and we had like first of all I had like a little she rented like a little Plinko thing that we got to do. Like we had a at home family feud game that she made. Oh yeah. It was a full on game show like with prizes. Oh my god, that is I'm stealing that for my next birthday. I was just thinking I kinda like I kinda wanna do that now. A little family feud party. Yeah. Ooh, that's not a bad idea. So, all right. So my last question for you, on top of working in TV production, you have a very funny YouTube channel that you run. I watched your viral videos called Dr. Six Things Up My Butt. Is that what it is? Six Stuff Up? That is Dr. Six Things Up My Butt. We're at 18K views right now. And it's just as entertaining as the title implies. Um, what what are some of your dream projects for the future? Do you want to grow your YouTube channel? Do you want to do any, any passion projects that you want to explore? So here's the thing. YouTube was like my dream, right? I was like, oh my God, I would love to just be a YouTuber and not have to leave my house and make content. And then the pandemic happened and it was like, well, now I want to leave. You say I can and now I want to go somewhere. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's a little of that. There's still like that desire in there. I mean, it would be to host my own show. I've always been obsessed with like talk soup. So doing like a talk soup type show or hosting talk soup, I think would be my like ultimate. I could see it. I mean, 
But I also want to create content. I definitely want to do like sketch. I'm writing sketch comedy now, Done. which is amazing. Yeah. And I was just kind of like the opportunity kind of fell in my lap on the show. The original writers they had hired didn't really work out. So I found myself in this position where we had built this show with a sketch in every episode and now it's up to you. Um, so I think it's been going pretty good. So I would definitely want to do that. And I want to work with puppets. Like I want puppets really bad. Oh my God, I love that. Right? So we'll see. Well, I don't have any doubt that you're going to do all of it because you're so freaking funny and likable. And Your I, lips to God's ears, as they yeah, say. Yes. We're, we're manifesting it. We're manifesting it. Well, I literally can't thank you enough for doing this. This is so fun. And yes, I, I love this. your insight. I think you just gave all the tea that there is for TV behind the scenes. Tell everyone where they can find you. You can find me at Tristan Timothy, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, Timothy, like it's spelled, on Instagram and YouTube.com slash Tristan Timothy. We love it. Thank you so much for coming on the show and we will have you back, no doubt, in the future. <laughs> I can't wait. Thanks for having me. All right. That's a wrap on the first ever episode of Tea Time. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I have a lot planned for the upcoming week, so I'm super excited for that. And until next time, stay sipping that tea. See you guys next week. Bye.